Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, January 10th, 2021. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So uh, <laughs> I got to say that this has been a crazy last week or so, and I know we mentioned it last week, but there were, you know, what was it, 20-some deadlines last week, and although maybe one of them I heard was moved into this week, right? Yeah. Do you want to talk talk about that? <laughs> yeah, I think Booth made a smart move. Maybe they looked at our week ahead from last week and says, crikey, what's the point in <laughs> having a deadline along with, you know, 15 or 20 other peer schools? So for whatever reason, Booth actually did move their round two deadline to um, it's it's on um, Tuesday. Yeah, um, tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. So, so that's very good. Today, Ross, Goizera, and Keenan Flagler have their round two deadlines. Judge has its round three deadline, and um, Oxford has a deadline later in the week. INSEAD's actually scheduled to release some round two decisions um, later in the week. So plenty happening this week, but nothing like the tsunami of um, application deadlines of last week. Yeah, no, this is, uh, it, I mean, that's the good thing about round two, I guess, is that it's over before you blink an eye because everything's so <laughs> condensed. Um, and then everyone's got to wait, you know, for the interview invites and all that stuff. Uh, the only other news I can think of is that, you know, it feels like COVID is back with a vengeance. Um, I'm feeling much better, <laughs> um, but it just seems like, you know, even from a standpoint of, I wondered if Chicago Booth moved their deadline, just given coming out of the holidays, everyone was, you know, stranded here or there because they're testing positive. I mean, there could be all kinds of reasons, but um, it just seemed like, you know, we're back we're kind of, you know, two steps forward, a couple steps back here with, with COVID. So hopefully everyone in your community is managing to, <laughs> to stay healthy and safe, Alex. Yeah, I mean, I know people that have got COVID, not directly, but work colleagues. I, I work remotely in all my different work situations, but this definitely this virus has, has, has gone absolutely nuts. I mean, uh, the the press, I mean, just the coverage, I mean, what's going on with Djokovic? I mean, that's going to become a huge, well, it is a huge news story. Um, yeah. One minute I'm reading about Djokovic, next minute I'm reading about Aaron Rodgers. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, the world is going nuts. Yeah, yeah. And then I also, um, <laughs> this is, uh, some of our listeners who like investing may um, find this amusing, but I just, I need someone to write us an email and explain to me the valuation that is currently assigned to Tesla these days. I just can't understand it. <laughs> uh, but that's a whole other story. Um, and we should probably <laughs> move on with our MBA relevant stuff. Um, you're not you're not thinking of moving some of your Apple shares to Tesla, No, not a chance. <laughs> no, I don't understand why Tesla's priced at where it's priced, but that's a whole other, <laughs> whole other story. And I'm not a stock picker. So, um, all right. So over on the website though, we did run a couple more real humans. This time we did Rochester Simon, which I think some of our listeners may know they, um, they've made a bit of a name for themselves because they have a really great STEM, uh, certified MBA. Um, they're obviously very strong in finance and other kind of quantitative fields, data analytics and such. So they have a STEM certified um, MBA, which is great for international students who can get three years of work um, in the US having attended a program like that. So reading that one would be good if you're interested in Rochester. And then we did um, another Real Humans on University of Washington Foster out in Seattle. Very interesting program that has been, I think, really surging into the, you know, kind of top 20 and even, you know, on some list, top 15. 
in large part due to their, um, I mean, they're in the kind of right place, right time with respect to so many great opportunities in the tech community in Seattle um, and just, you know, great placement results and at a time where tech is just becoming the darling of, you know, MBA job seekers, right? So it's, um, it, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff happening and, and I, it was nice to see some of those students profiled. Um, but yeah, lots of fun. The other thing, Alex, <laughs> that I know I... I just asked you quickly not to not to disrupt, but yeah. was Rochester Sign, were they the first of the top schools to get STEM certified? I feel like they're certainly, if not the first, then one of. I remember they were sort of touting that a few years ago. Um, yeah. So yeah, you're probably right. So a bit of a pioneer there, which, yeah. you know, full props to them for recognizing that opportunity. Yeah. Um, and hopefully it's it's played well played well for them and yeah Washington Foster I mean we focus a lot on the importance of geography Graham in terms of MBA programs location where alumni go but yeah being in being where they're located you want tech Foster has to be on on your radar yeah totally um, and then the other thing that happened on the website is we published some more employment reports uh, one for Duke and one for Columbia Business School and, you know, I, I like to pull out some facts and figures as we've been doing um, over the last couple of months as these reports trickle out. So for Duke, um, in terms of like where people are going, it's, you know, 32% to consulting, 27% to technology, and then 17% to financial services, 10% to healthcare, which is a big number if you think about, you know, co comparables with other schools. And that makes sense because we know Duke has a strong healthcare program. And then 6% to consumer packaged goods. Uh, average starting salary was 141K, average signing bonus 35,000. So, um, you know, numbers very much in keeping with a lot of other top schools. I also looked at like the regional placement for Duke, which I'm always fascinated by because we talk, as you said, about geography a lot. Um, they placed 28% uh, of their graduating class out west, um, which I was stunned by. Um, that's a big number. Um, that's actually a bigger percentage than say Wharton um, and Harvard too, I believe too, right? So um, in the Northeast, they placed 23%, 21% in the South, which is a big number, but they're a school that's in the South. So that makes sense. 11% to the Midwest, 9% to the Southwest and another 8% up in the Mid-Atlantic region. Um, I often combine Mid-Atlantic and Northeast because I feel like that whole corridor from D.C. To, to Boston should be one lump thing. But anyway, um, so just interesting. Any thoughts that you have on, on Duke? I mean, a couple of numbers that really do stand out to me, as you said, that 10% to healthcare is a big number relative to other programs. But we know Duke, um, as well as um, Keenan Flagler in that sort of um, research triangle area, that's a very strong healthcare um, ecosystem. And that 28% West Coast, yeah, I did not know that, Graham. Yeah, interesting stuff. And then the other thing is, you know, I mentioned we did the same thing. We ran um, a, a story about Columbia Business School's, um, you know, employment report. And, you know, again, if you're keeping score at home, they're starting south. 99% New York City, is that right? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get there. But you're, yeah, the starting salary was 150, um, which is a big number, obviously. But, you know, they're in New York and they have a 30K signing bonus on average. Uh, in terms of the placement for industries, it's financial services in first place at 36%, followed by consulting, 33%, then tech and media, which they lumped together with 17%. Then real estate, 4.5%, manufacturing, 4.1%. And that's where they kind of, those are the main categories that they track. Um, 
I guess, you know, I then looked for the regional <laughs> placement information, but there wasn't any. And I, I was like, wait, they don't give that out. And then I went back and looked at last year's report and the year before that. And I guess they don't, they just don't offer that. And I'm not sure why. I don't know if you have any hypotheses on, <laughs> a hypothesis as to like why that is, um, or any thoughts just on the, the way that the breakdown works with industries either. Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, I think they've high, high number for New York City and northeast so maybe they just decide that there's no point in bragging about that um but but that would be my, my answer i mean again if you look at duke their geographic diversity that is something to shout about sending 28 percent to the west coast and having that geographic flexibility but then you you would argue well some of that's a symptom of not having such great very local MBA opportunities. Obviously, if you're in the middle of New York City, you are overwhelmed with great local MBA opportunity. And that's why a lot of people are selecting Columbia in the first place. They want to be in New York City. So um, not just during the MBA, but post MBA. So it's a great way to relocate to New York City, right? Do an MBA at the best business school in in New York. So, Mm -hmm. um, so, So that all does actually make a little bit of um, sense sense to me. But yeah, no, some really interesting data. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, you talk about the best business school in New York, although I think you remember the Stern employment report, the average starting salary was 155, I think, right? If, if I'm remembering this correctly. So a little bit more. Yes, I do remember that. Um, so interesting there. But yeah, it's just fascinating to me to look at these numbers and, and you know, even little stats, like 17% of the Duke class went off to, you know, financial services. Um, and you know, it was 36% at, at Columbia. So big difference there, but you could flip flop it for tech, you know, 17% go to tech from Columbia and, and more like 30, what was it? No, 27% to tech for, for Duke. So yeah, just interesting, you know, keeping these facts and figures in mind as you make a school selection is important. Uh, other stuff before we get into our wiretaps candidates for this week, I did want to mention in February, we've got two events. Um, you can sign up for them by going to bit.ly forward slash D-E-M-B-A 22. Um, and these are deferred enrollment MBA um, event program, programs that we're going to be featuring. So we're going to sit down on February 2nd with admissions directors from Berkeley, Columbia, Chicago Booth, Carnegie Mellon, and Darden to talk all about their deferred enrollment programs for college students where you can apply, get in as a college senior, and then go work for a couple years before you join the program as an MBA student. And then on February 9th, we're going to sit down with Wharton, Yale, and MIT. Same thing, um, deferred enrollment program. So you can sign up online, bit.ly forward slash D-E-M-B-A 22, all lowercase. Uh, other than that, I don't know, Alex, we haven't you know, gotten any <laughs> mail or reviews, although you know, I do want to remind people they can rate and review now, or at least rate us on Spotify, which they could not do before. So please do that if you're listening on Spotify. And yeah, send us email. We'd love to get your email. So info at clearedmit.com. Even just a note telling us what you like doing while you're listening to the podcast, or just to wish us a happy new year, or you know, whatever. Tell us what you think about Aaron Rodgers or Djokovic or you know, whatever. <laughs> Whatever you want to write about, um, we're always uh, enjoying those messages as they come in. Um, Alex, anything else on your mind? You know, I used to be a big Packers fan. I, I know. I remember you have like a jersey that you used to wear, yeah. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, very, very interesting. Anyway, we should focus on the, the topics at hand. So let's kick on. Yeah. So this is our first candidate. So wiretaps candidate number one. And this is an apply wire entry, and the candidate is targeting the fall of 2023. 
and so they've got some time. And the schools that are currently on the target list are Columbia, Harvard, Michigan, Chicago Booth, and Yale SOM. Uh, this candidate's pre-MBA career consists of one year with big four tech consulting and then a year and a half doing venture capital, um, and that's their current role. After business school, they want to get into technology. They indicate an interest in joining the likes of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, Tesla, <laughs> Twitter, uh, or Uber. They've got a 760 on the GMAT and a 3.74 GPA. They've been working for a total of two and a half years. They're located in Connecticut, and they would like to stay in the Northeast after business school. Um, so Alex, I know that you and I both had a little bit of back and forth with this early bird candidate. And you know, on paper, the numbers are terrific, but what do you make of them overall? And in particular, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about their career plan and stuff. Yeah, I mean, frankly, their numbers are very, very good. Um, so we should um, you know, acknowledge that. And, and that's very good, right? 760 GMAT. Um, 374 GPA, assuming, you know, pretty rigorous curriculum or whatever. Absolutely um, fantastic. Um, their work experience is interesting, right? So if you if you look at it, it says pre-MBA career, a year in big four tech consulting, a year and a half venture capital current role. And then their post-MBA goals go in tech. So when I first sort of look at that, I'm thinking, oh, venture capital, they're, they're in that sort of uh, role that, that's, that sort of lots of folks aspire to in an industry that lots of folks aspire to. Um, that, that's absolutely fantastic, you know, with the, with the, combined with the great numbers, this and the other, it all looks really good. Um, but what's important, you know, for, for us to, to look at and, and for Adcom that they will look at is the specific roles that you have within the industries you're in. Um, and I'm not saying this candidate's role in venture capital is, is not a, a strong role, but um, it's, it's not it's not front facing or what, you know whatever you want to call it. Um, it it's it's more of a supporting role in terms of on the tech side. It's developing, managing, creating processes um, as far as I, I can figure out. Um, in, in order to, to allow the, the, the VC folks to make better investment decisions and so on and so forth. Now, I'm not dismissing this role. I think it's a very important role and we know the importance of big data and automation and so on and so forth. And it seems like this, this candidate sort of um, um, focused on that. And I'm guessing in their prior industry, um, a year in big, big four tech consulting, they, well, actually, they said that was a highly technical role implementing, um, I think, financial-related software. Um, and their post-MBA goal, again, is tech-related. Mm -hmm. So um, I just think it's important to recognize that in, within these industries, there are specific different types of roles that folks have, and that can mean different things um, for Adcom. But that all said... I still think this is a, a, a very strong candidate, Graham, because I'm guessing that they've done very well with their work, enabling them to move from big four um, tech consulting to a venture capital shop doing, you know, a lot of their tech work or whatever it is. Um, they're really passionate about tech, hence their goal. And, um, you know, as long as they can show um, impact in the roles that they've had and they get really good support from their, um, you know, their, their recommenders, um, I think that side of the application can be very strong. And then you combine that, obviously, looking at their ECs, um, what they do outside of work. 
they're just starting to do something in in um, I think they yeah environmental advocacy. So if they they they're applying next season, right? So they can continue that, try to show a little bit of leadership in that regard, but go all in on that. I think that's a really good opportunity for them to really show a little bit of leadership in, in another dimension. They're also, a, I think, a reasonable tennis player. They're not going to be playing Djokovic anytime soon, but a good tennis player um, and stuff. So, yeah, I, the whole Graham, I know I've gone on a, 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 a lot, but this person should be aiming pretty high. Yeah, no, I thought you were going to say with that 760 and 3.74 that you were going to call them wicked smart. You know, sometimes you do that. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, <laughs> and they are wicked smart, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but no, in all seriousness, like I think that uh, you make a really good point about, you know, they, they mentioned that in that first role as a consultant, they basically helped a, a large organization implement financial software. And then they've gone to work in a VC where they're maintaining an investment database, creating automations and things. So I think it's sort of a mixture of like technical support and, you know, kind of investment analysis, but not, yeah, it sounds like they're not the one out there, you know, sourcing deals or something, but it's, um, it's interesting. And I think what's great though, is that they've identified that tech is their passion and that it, there is a common thread in using technology and all the roles that they've held to date and what they want to do down the road. So I, it seems like, you know, once we sort of probed them on this, they had a really good response and yeah, they're, they're playing tennis. They're doing some other things with environmental advocacy. So I feel like they have the makings of a really strong candidacy. Um, I think we had mentioned that we were wondering about school selection um, you know, if they want to work in tech. And I, I feel like you had made some specific suggestions that they check out uh, Sloan, Stanford, and and potentially Wharton as well. So, and they agreed that they would look into that and that this initial list was a bit more of a, you know, just sort of a first step. So um, I encourage them to, yeah, just keep researching that. Because as you can see from when we talked about the Duke and the Columbia placement stats, schools, even in the top, you know, 15, very widely in terms of the percentage of people they're sending into these different um, industries. So, but very good candidacy. I want to thank them for sharing their profile. And unless you have anything else, I guess we can move on to our second candidate, huh? No, best of luck to, to this candidate. Absolutely fantastic. Excellent. All right, so this is Wiretap's candidate number two. So this is another ApplyWire entry that we've received, and this person is applying now. So they're going to be starting in the fall. They've got six schools that they're considering, and those schools are Cornell, LBS, Kellogg, NYU, Chicago Booth, and Wharton. They've been working in real estate investment banking and post MBA, they're thinking about consulting or they say other, and I think we'll elaborate on that in a moment here, but so they're, they're sort of figuring out what they want to do next. Um, GRE score was a 323 and their GPA is an 81%. This is a candidate that's located in India. And so for our listeners who don't know, you know, the Indian scale is more out of like 100%. Um, and anything over like 60 or 65 is pretty tremendous as a rule. So 81% for this candidate. They've got five and a half years of work experience and they want to land in the States after business school. Um, Alex, we had some back and forth, and I was really um, thrilled that this candidate chimed in and, and shed a little more light on their um, candidacy, and we can get into that, you know, because they've had some, you know, done some work in Singapore and Dubai, and you know, a lot of kind of reality M&A across Asia Pacific. So, but I wanted to get a sense from you as to what what do you make of this candidate because they are kind of overrepresented in some respects, and they're in round two, so there's some factors here. 
Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, things like the GRE score do not stand out, does not stand out in this case. 323, mm. applying second round from India um, and, 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 and so forth. So that might be a little bit of an issue. Um, I'm guessing their GPA is very good. They, they, they said they're top 5% out of Delhi University. Um, so, so, you know, I think they are probably um, very smart. Applying in round two do, does sort of um, muddy the water a little bit, right? So we much prefer um, folks from India applying in round one. The, the wrinkle to that, Graham, is um, I believe this is a female candidate. So, so there's that. Yeah, it seems like they're from an overrepresented population, but we know business schools, are, you know, like that gender diversity too. So that might help alleviate that a little bit. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, that, that's a little bit of a hard, hard call. Um, but but just just to sort of um, point that out. Yeah. Um, in terms of their goals, I, I you know when when they elaborated on their goals, it makes perfect sense, right? It says my short term goal is to work in real estate development. My long term goal is to um, is, is to invest in real estate technology. So that's kind of the the north star focus, right? Is in invest in real estate technology. They're open to a couple of different short-term goals to get there. Maybe you can go into consulting to then get there because they say that's a good hiring path to that long-term goal. So it does seem that they've actually thought about that quite clear, clearly with a lot of, lot of clarity. I do wonder if they want to be in the US post-MBA, uh, whether it makes sense to have London Business School on, on their um, um, choice. Because again, we we focus quite heavily on geography and and. And, you know, their pathway to the U.S. is going to be a little bit more difficult if they get their MBA in London um, versus getting their MBA somewhere in the U.S. So so they need to bear that in mind. Nice extracurriculars. Um, I think that's very good. And that's very important in terms of working for NGOs. And they've, they've had a 12-year track record in one particular issue that's important to them, which I think ADCOM is going to respect that longevity, right, rather than just jumping in for a year or two working for an NGO, they've spent 12 years focusing on, I think it's um, some disability issues. Um, so, so they can definitely shine a light on that. I'm just a little nervous. Round two, 323 GRE, depending on, I don't think we know yet, Graham, were business schools overwhelmed with round one applications <laughs> or were the numbers a little bit off this season? I'm speculating the latter, yeah. but I have no insight I have some insight. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think that, yeah, it's sort of, you know, mostly flat is my understanding, flat to down, um, but n not down a lot. Right. But, you know, this has not been another, like, it's things are not off the charts. You know, I think it would have been hard to replicate the the, the rush of, of candidates that the pandemic initially brought on. But yeah, I, I think... Um, you know, I'm optimistic that this candidate will get into, you know, some of these programs. I do think you make a good point about LBS. I mean, I wonder if maybe they're wor they're willing to, to work in the UK as well, and they just didn't mention that, you know, in which case, sure, that'd be fine. Right. Cornell's a great option in terms of the real estate focus. We did just cite a high percentage of candidates going into real estate from Columbia, which is not on this person's list, and maybe it's not on there because they're worried about... Um, you know, how competitive it is or something to get in. But that is another one that jumps out when I think about real estate. Obviously, when you think about consulting, any number of top programs can land you in a consulting role. Um, so, but yeah, I like, I mean, this person has terrific, she has terrific um, outside activities, 
Again, I think her undergraduate experience looks really sound. Work experience sounds pretty fascinating with a lot of international exposure. And, you know, it's kind of a, you know, a finance um, role, uh, which, you know, there are relatively fewer women working in kind of real estate finance, um, that, that at least in my experience over the years in terms of, you know, profiling candidates. So I hope that counts for something too. So, I mean, we'll have to see, but I, I would think that she'll get into one of these programs, but you're right. Round two is always challenging and, you know, there might be some waitlisting involved first. And so <laughs> I would be poised to like retake that GRE and try to boost by a few points, you know, the score, but hopefully that doesn't happen. And, you know, she's got some offers and stuff, but would, would, would you suggest she schedules that retake now and includes it in the apps? I mean, never hurts, you know, to, to have a short note that says, look, I'm not hundred percent satisfied with my GRE, given that I was top 5% in my undergrad graduate class and feel like I'm, um, can do better. So I'm, I've scheduled a retake for February 15th or whatever, and I'll, I'll, you know, furnish you all with the score as soon as I have it. Um, obviously the downside to that is that then some schools might actually purposely wait list and wait to see that result. The upside would be they may not reject you as a result either, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, honestly, I think there's more upside to downside to doing that. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. And to me, it does look like if you look at everything together, that test score is the weakest element. It's not a bad test score. It's just a little bit off the averages. Yeah. But it is off the averages. And we know the GRE median or average, whatever you want to call it, is lower than the GMAT median average. So it's off an average that's lower right. from, from the outset. And that's where you get back into the, you know, are on the margin, are women from India overrepresented in the pool amongst other women? And the answer is probably a little bit, right. you know, so yeah, so you get into that issue of, um, yeah, it would be good to have a better score. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Do you think they are, Graham? That's, I've never thought about that question. In terms of female candidates, are Indians overrepresented? I, I think they must be in one of the bigger buckets. I mean, I think they're probably, you know, they're probably more uh, kind of American, you know, white women applying than there are women from India, maybe. But it's, you know, it's still a pretty large group um, when you think about Like, there's definitely more women from India applying than there are women from any European country applying to, to business school. Um, That's true, because there's probably only one or two of them. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. I don't know why, like, I mean, you know, I just remember reading files at Wharton. It's like all the Europeans were, there's a lot of men from Europe applying to business school. But um, anyway, so yeah, we'll see what happens. But I want to thank her for submitting her profile. Um, very interesting facts and figures and background. And so hopefully, you know, she gets some good news as she travels through this process um, over the coming months here. Very good. Let's kick on. Yeah. All right. So here we go. This is Wiretaps candidate number three. So this is a decision wire entry that we received. And as usual, it's from a candidate who's undecided because the people who are decided are a little less interesting to talk about. Uh, so this person was, a, they, they applied to Tuck, Kellogg, Wharton, and Darden. And they ended up getting offers at Tuck, Kellogg, and Darden. So they were only rejected by Wharton. Um, and with respect to Tuck and Kellogg, there was no money attached. Um, but with Darden, they've got a $75,000 scholarship attached, and they're going to be starting this fall. They want to work in tech after business school, and they'd love to work at Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, Microsoft, Uber. Those are the um, companies they list. They had a 320 on the GRE. 
and they had a 3.3 GPA um, in undergraduate. They're located in DC and in the notes, they left us a little bit of a note that just says, I love Darden, its location and culture, but I'm drawn to Kellogg's performance with tech and large alumni base. Is the money worth the difference for tech? Um, so that was what they posted. And then you and our colleague Elliot had a little bit of a back and forth with them. So do you want to walk us through the kind of calculus of this decision here? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting decision because, you know, things aren't straightforward. And for one candidate, you know, Kellogg would probably be the best choice. And for another candidate, it might well be Darden. And and it's sort of looking at the different sort of variables that dictate whether Kellogg or Darden is better. One interesting variable for this candidate is their desire for, for, for their geography post-MBA. And again, it's something we've talked about a lot, a lot of times, even on this particular episode. Um, so they don't want to work in the Northeast. They, I don't think they expressed any desire to be in the Midwest. Right. Um, they want to work either in, in the, you know, in, in the Southeast or, or, or the West Coast or uh, maybe D.C., um, because they're currently in DC and so on and so forth. So to me, that sort of gives a little bit of um, you know, gravitas to Darden in that case. And because obviously Kellogg is huge and going to be huge in the Midwest, but also the Northeast Kellogg's going to trump Darden in terms of their um, alumni network. And then obviously you also add to that the 70,000, I think it is, the scholarship offer an opportunity, 75K. And, and this is a very typical decision, right? You've got a, a, a straight offer with no money at a higher tier program, right? So no if, and, or buts. Kellogg sits in a tier above Darden. Kellogg sits in a tier above Tuck. Tuck is sort of a little bit of a, a tier with one or two others maybe between Kellogg and Darden, right? So that's kind of the tiering order. Yeah. So it's, you know, for lots of folks, they'll get an offer at a higher tier and then they'll get money at one of the lower tier. And we've highlighted this the last two or three weeks on the podcast. In this case, it's simply Kellogg versus Darden. I think that given their personal preferences, and this was echoed by Elliot, our colleague, that Darden might really well be the, the right choice here, Graham. But again, for someone else, absolutely, it could be Kellogg. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, again, on the surface, I think, like you said, most people would say, oh, Kellogg is probably better than Tuck, which is probably better than Darden, if you're just talking about the tiers and the rankings and stuff, right? Um, but, you know, this person wants to work in tech, so that the plot thickens a little bit in terms of like, oh, you know, Darden's quite good at placing people in tech, as is Kellogg. Um, they want to land on the West Coast or in the D.C. area and not in the Midwest, like you said, and not in the Northeast. Um, they specifically stated that, like you pointed out, right? So, so the geographic preference and the tech focus may, at least at the, in the near term here, eliminate Tuck um, from the picture, I think, yeah. just because, you know, so that takes them off. And then you're left with Kellogg and Darden. And then you've got like, what I would argue is probably a 40 or 50% discount to business school at Darden. And maybe more because there's a lower cost of living, you know, in Charlottesville than there is in Evanston um, slash Chicago, right? So, and then you add that they love the culture at Darden. Yes. 
Um, and so, you know, I think, yeah, the signs start to point in that direction. The only thing I did want to mention, and I presume they know this, Darden has a reputation as being a ton of work. I mean, it's one of the more rigorous MBA programs alongside HBS, I would argue, in terms of the amount of, you know, case reading and um, assignments and things. So it's a, definitely a really rigorous program. Um, and I would argue probably less of a global network as compared to Kellogg. Um, you know, they could do the do look into the numbers on that. But my sense is that on the MBA side, at least, there are probably more Kellogg folks scattered across the globe than there might be Darden folks. Um, again, I would encourage them to do that research if that's a factor. But, you know, again, it feels to me like they're, th this is one of those cases where going to Darden for kind of half the cost um, it starts to become pretty attractive. So, you know, and again, I don't know if that's what they're going to decide. Hopefully they'll follow up and let us know. But this is a, it's an interesting decision that they've got. Yeah, and and again, it's, it's not an easy decision. And for, for, for this candidate, it might well be done. For someone that has slightly different concerns, maybe their geography is a little bit different in terms of where they want to be um, and so on and so forth, then that all of a sudden makes Kellogg a slam dunk. Yeah, totally. So, um, you know, the, the point of this and what we tried to talk about in the last two or three weeks is um, when, when people make choices over a, a couple of different business school options, there's no right choice. There's no universal right choice. It's got to be not only about the reputation and the resources of the school, but also about your own personal preferences. Um, and that is very, very important. Yeah, agreed. And I think, you know, we try not to be too prescriptive. You know, it's always, I, I love when people share these dilemmas, but I think, like you said, it's often very personal. You know, I don't like, I don't know what this person's financial situation is, right? right? Like maybe they have like a hundred thousand dollars of debt already from undergrad that they're struggling to pay off or, you know, I mean, there could be all kinds of um, factors involved. So yeah. yeah, so definitely something to consider, but I really appreciate it when people share these. We try to weigh in on all of them. So please continue to post, you know, if you're listening and you've got a dilemma, post it to DecisionWire. Um, or if you're just starting the application process, you can post on ApplyWire and we'll weigh in there as well. So um, thanks for picking all of these out, Alex, as always. I did want to ask everyone that's listening to please tell at least one person about this podcast. Um, we do it week in and week out um, because of all you are you know, tuned in and the more the merrier. So yeah, spread the word. <laughs> um, and Alex, I guess we'll be back in one week's time and do it all over again. Now, brilliant. Thank you very much, Graham. We've actually made quite a short episode, so we might have one or two folks actually listen all the way through. <laughs> yeah, no, fantastic. But stay safe, everyone. We'll be, we'll be back next week. Thank you.